Good morning, Reach Church. Morning. All right, so if kids want to head out to Reach Kids, they can do that now. Otherwise, uh, pray with me. Father, we thank you that we can trust you in all things, that all things are well because they are filtered through your hand. And Father, we thank you that you are moving all things towards Christ, towards the glorification of him in the work that he has done on the cross, the work that he's done in the resurrection. And Father, we thank you that of all things to be guaranteed, it is that Christ is coming again. Father, I ask that, uh, that your sovereignty and, and that that spirit would, uh, would help us in this, this sermon, Father, that we would receive the authorities that you have given us as those from your hand. Father, to, to learn to say that it is well and to rejoice even in, uh, in difficult circumstances. Father, we ask that, uh, that we would love you, that we rejoice in our salvation, and that we bring you glory. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. All right. So, uh, we're in the, the command-focused uh, center of, of Romans. So we've been talking about the gospel, the gospel, the gospel, what it means to be saved by grace through faith, to be empowered by the Holy Spirit. But now we're looking at some of the commandments, what we're told to do with that, the implications of the gospel for, for everyday life. And today, today we're talking about being subject to authorities, being subject to authorities. So Romans 13 is, uh, is focused on governing authorities, how we are supposed to react as believers, as Christians, to the governing authorities, to the, the rulers over us. But my hope is that we can kind of broaden the horizons a little bit because we have, we have more authorities than just that. And I know that one of the most difficult aspects of our lives is, is submitting to those we don't want to submit to, to receive commandments that aren't our own, to do things that are not our will but their will. And so this passage doesn't just have implications for, for the government. This has implications for how you receive all authority. So for kids... This is going to help you receive the authority of your teachers or your parents. Parents, this is going to help you receive the authority of, of your bosses, of the, the police officer who pulls you over, uh, help you pay taxes and receive the government. Uh, it might even help you receive the authority of the church um, in a lesser sense. But, but all of those authorities kind of come from that this same root, the same root theology. And that root is that, that God says he is the only true authority. And he puts authorities into our lives as an embodiment of his authority. So he's the authority putting authorities into our lives as authorities, as authority figures to manifest his rule and his authority very tangibly and practically in our lives. And so we receive these authorities not just in and of themselves, but from God's hand, and with God's ordained power. So with that in mind, my hope is to, to see this morning that we should be subject to authorities as we are subject to God. And that with that in mind, we obey to escape from God's wrath, to avoid God's wrath, but we also honor and respect authorities to bring glory to God himself. So we are subject, we are to obey and to honor all for the glory of God. So, turn with me to Romans 13, verses 1 through 7. 
Romans 13, verses 1 through 7. Romans 13, 1 through 7. Uh, read along with me. Let every person be subject to the governing authorities. For there is no authority except from God, and those that exist have been instituted by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authority resists what God has appointed, and those who resist will incur judgment. For rulers are not a terror to good conduct, but to bad. Would you have no fear of the one who is in authority? Then do what is good, and you will receive his approval, for he is God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid, for he does not bear the sword in vain, for he is the servant of God, an avenger who carries out God's wrath on wrongdoer. Therefore, one must be in subjection, not only to avoid God's wrath, but also for the sake of conscience, for because of this you also pay taxes. For the authorities are ministers of God attending to this very thing. Pay to all what is owed to them. Taxes to whom taxes are owed. Revenue to whom revenue is owed. Respect to whom respect is owed. Honor to whom honor is owed. All right. This is actually pretty intense theology. Um, and especially for Americans who are not used to this kind of theology. Uh, so let's, let's jump right in. First of all, we are subject to authorities, because all rulers are inst ultimately instituted by God himself. Look how intense this language is in verse 1. Uh, very, very clear command. Let every person be subject to the governing authorities. To be subject. Now, this is the language of, of a kingdom, and that we are to be submissive and subject to the rules and laws and decisions of the authorities over us. All right, this means not trying to assert our own authority, not trying to, to wiggle out from their authority, not trying to create an, another authority besides them, that we receive the authority as subjects under them. Now, we don't like doing that. We don't like being subject, we don't like being submissive, and we have lots of reasons not to be subject and not to be submissive to the, the leaders over us. And so, what does Paul say? Why should we listen to these authorities? Why should we obey them? For there is no authority except from God, and those that exist have been instituted by God. There is no authority except from God, and those that exist have been instituted by God. So, what does that mean? That meant to any time if you encounter an authority, God has put them there. And that they receive their authority, not, not from themselves, but from God himself. Now this is an application of what we learned a, lot, a while back, that God works together all things for the good of those who love him. That nothing, does, nothing happens that isn't filtered through his hand. And so what this is saying is that any authority that you encounter... God has put there that he decided that according to, to the filter of his sovereign rule, he would put that authority in your life for you to be subject to. All right. Now, what are the, the implications of that statement? What are the implications of that? I want to summarize it by this. It, it's, 
Authority is not derived from a person's kind of perfection, but by their position. And you receive authorities not because of their perfection, but because of their position. That there is actually an unchanging, unquestionable authority that they have received from God. And that we submit because God has put them there over us. All right, so what does that mean? That means that we don't get to disobey the authorities just because they're hypocritical. Now, are, are, are authorities hypocritical? Yes. Yes, they are. All right. Uh, kids, kids, your parents, your parents are, are rule over you, and they, they tell you to do laws, God's law, hopefully, that they cannot do themselves. They cannot do themselves. But even though you see that, you submit to them. Because it's not, it's not how consistent they are or how obedient they are. You obey them because they are the authority. All right, we, we love this. We love, we love finding police officers who are speeding. <laughs> and like, we like love pointing out, like, he just ran a red light. Um, and, and we love politicians when, when we find that they're corrupt. We love seeing the failure of leaders because we then can say, well, then, then they can't really hold me to a higher standard. Maybe I don't need you to subject to them. They're hypocrites. They don't deserve the, my, my allegiance. They don't deserve my obedience. All right, that isn't the case. That isn't the case. It's not their perfection that qualifies them. It's their position, their God-ordained position as an authority. Every authority is a hypocrite, but God puts them in our lives to be subject to. All right, second implication. They aren't to be obeyed only to the extent that they represent God well. So it's not that we, we obey good leaders and that we rebel from bad leaders. No, it's that they are embodying a certain aspect of God, his authority. Just because they don't em embrace his his goodness, or his faithfulness, or his grace, that doesn't mean we can get to rebel. That there are terrible leaders. There are. And Paul was saying this in a time of terrible leaders. The Caesars, they would set them themselves up as gods. They would set themselves up as idols to be worshipped. And they persecuted the church. And they hated God, and they hated Christ. And yet, Paul is saying here, still, submit to them. Because it's not about their perfection, it's about their position. All right, finally. Finally, we are not only to obey authorities when they ask us to do the things that we want to do anyway. All right, that's often how we receive this. That, yeah, you, you, can be, you can be an authority over me, as long as you never ask me to do anything I don't want to do, and as long as uh, I get to make all the decisions and you never tell me anything, then yeah, I'll, I'll submit. No, it's that they actually have authority. And if they, if they say to do something, we are, we are to do it, to be subject. That they have that authority as their position, not because of their perfection. Now, this is incredibly challenging because it doesn't give us anywhere to run. 
I love making excuses. You love making excuses why you shouldn't have to obey. And Paul is cutting all those out under our feet and saying, no, if God didn't want you to obey them, he wouldn't have put them there. And every authority you receive is instituted by God and gets their authority from God's authority. All right. All right, so how do we respond to that? How do we respond to that? Uh, Paul goes very practical. Very practical. He says, well, then you should obey them so you're not under God's wrath. All right, verse 2. Therefore, whoever resists the authority resists what God has appointed, and those who resist will incur judgment. Will incur judgment. She's basically saying that if they are the authorities representing God, then actually, if, if you do evil, they represent God's judgment. They embody God's judgment. And rightfully so, you should bear the consequences of, of their judgment. And that's where, um, all right, we can get, we can over-spiritualize God's rule. How does God rule in the world? We say, okay, he, he rules to the church. He rules spiritually over our hearts. That he's going to bring justice at the end. The final last judgment, he's going he's to judge everyone, the living and the dead. But he also has a, has everyday representatives. People that he has, he has put forth to represent him. And he establishes his rule through leaders who will bring consequences and will judge those who are wicked and, and leave those who are good uh, at peace. So, very practically, what does he say? Verse 3. For rulers are not a terror to good conduct but to bad. Would you have no fear of the one who is in approval? Then what do you do? Then do good, and you will receive approval, for he is God's servant for your good. Now, that's, that's a kind of an amazing thing, that all of the authorities in your life, they're not, they don't serve you. They're not civil servants. They're God's servants. And that they are work, doing the work of God on his behalf. And so if we do good, then we're good. But verse 4, If you do wrong, be afraid, for he does not bear the sword in vain. For he is the servant of God, an avenger who carries out God's wrath on the wrongdoer. All right, so these aren't, these aren't authorities just by name. God actually gives, gives authorities power. And he gives them the sword. The sword with which they, they bring God's judgment to pass against evil. And the hope is that we actually receive that as a comfort. That we know that in God's world, injustice is going to be, is going to be squelched. That, that those who want to do evil and love evil will be scared to do so because there is someone with a sword to stop them. Now last week, Last week, we talked about grace and giving grace, giving people what they do not deserve. And we talked about how scary it is to give grace. That how, who's going to defend us? Who's going to fight for us if we don't fight for ourselves? And that's where this passage is so comforting. That there are authorities in this life, in this world, who will 
defend justice. And that you don't have to fight for vengeance. You don't have to get out your sword because you trust them to get out theirs. And that they will fight for you. They will defend you. They will be justice. Do we trust them to do that? Are we excited that they get to do that? That is an, an institute that God has put forward in his world. All right. But if, you, if you're thinking about this at all, um, you have a contention. Uh, what about injustice? What about injustice? What about the authorities that are a terror to good conduct? And who do evil? And who perpetuate evil? Or, or require people to do evil? All right, how does that apply here? And I hope you see the, the need to answer that question because that is the reality of the world we live in. And we can't be naive. We can't put our, our heads in the sand and say, well, no, no, there, there is no injustice. And kind of build up every authority as this pillar of God. That's just not true. And we know the human heart well enough to say that if I'm as sinful as I am, they're as sinful as they are too. And so are there corrupt police officers? Yes. Yes, there are. Are there corrupt politicians? Yes. Yes, there are. Are there corrupt authorities, parents, teachers? Yes. We cannot deny that. Especially because the authority is a dangerous game. That with authority comes a lack of, of oversight, a lack of consequences. And so, yes, we understand that there's injustice. So what do we do when there's injustice and we're called to obey anyway? We don't then say, okay, well then, then I'm, I'm not going to obey at all. What we do is we entrust ourselves to higher authorities. We entrust ourselves to higher authorities. And thankfully... We, we believe in a government, we have a government that, that has levels. And so if we don't get justice on one, we can, we can move up. If parents are unjust and doing things that are illegal, we, we go to the, the police, we rightfully should. That we go up and we trust ourselves to higher authorities. And the problem is that in, in some cases we become so cynical with authorities that we say, well, no, it just go, the corruption just goes all the way up. It's just injustice, 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 injustice to the very top. And that's where I remind us as, as Christians that the one on top is just. That we have a God who is a God of justice and who fights for justice and loves justice. That if you, if you look through the Proverbs, he, he hates he hates unequal balances. You know, it's like this, a really minor thing. Like, if, if you buy a pound of fruit, it should be a pound of fruit. And God cares about that. And he's, he's mad at the marketplace if they, they skimp you out of a, a denarii or something. Um, all right, he cares about that kind of stuff. He talks about, he talks about, he hates bribes. He hates these, like, under-the-table deals. We have a God of great justice. And one of his main contentions against Israel was that they did not 
defend justice as God himself would. And so with that in mind, we, we receive injustice, we submit to it, and we look to a higher authority. Even if that higher authority is God himself, then we endure, we keep doing good, we are punished for it, but we trust God to make it right in the end. That we have a God of justice, and he has put unjust rulers into our lives to submit to in faith towards him. Now I recognize that that's really hard to do. It's really hard to trust. But Paul, Paul is saying this to people who, who are being slaughtered and burned and massacred for their faith, for their obedience to God, and he's still saying it. And thankfully that's not the case, holistically. That we trust that these authorities are, are largely good and are therefore good and they punish evil, not, not well-doing. All right. All right, so we're talking about the implications of the gospel. This is kind of weird because what is Paul saying here, basically? He's saying, obey so you don't get in trouble. <laughs> obey so you don't get punished. Um, it's, it's almost too practical. And seems a little superficial. That if, if you're telling this to your kids, like, oh, kids, just, just obey so you don't get punished. No, it's more than that. It's more than that. The, the Christian life is about more than that. It's about the heart. It's about wanting to obey. And that's where Paul takes it then uh, a step further. That is not just about obeying to escape God's wrath. It's also about honoring to honor God. That we're honoring and respecting God's servants to glorify and honor God. Look at verse 5. Therefore, one must be in subjection not only to avoid God's wrath, but also for the sake of conscience. Also for the sake of conscience. And that's where, because these people, these authorities, represent God himself, we don't want to just pull the wool over their eyes and escape the judgment. That if we are in our hearts or hidden behind the scenes disobeying these authorities, we are convicted in our hearts. And we want to obey for obedience sake. And we want to obey these authorities because we believe that they represent God himself. Now, very practically, um, Paul gives us the, the first kind of test here. Taxes. Taxes. So how do you test your heart to see if you really want to obey? <laughs> it's, uh, it's how you pay your taxes. All right, which, what, with what spirit do you pay your taxes? With what heart? <laughs> all right, we just did it. We just did it, all of us, hopefully. Hopefully you all did it. Um, and look, look what he says, verse 6. For because of this, you also pay taxes. For the authorities are ministers of God attending to this very thing. Authorities are the ministers of God. All right, so with the, the same spirit that you... You put your ties in this, this bucket to make the ministry of God go forward. With that spirit, we're supposed to pay taxes. Because they are the ministers of God, ordained to do this task by God, and they can't do it without our taxes. All right, that's the spirit we're supposed to have towards these authorities. 
Now, like, I, we had to do taxes this year. And my taxes were kind of complicated. And I was like, ah. Oh. And there was the opportunity of like, okay, I could do this. And they wouldn't, they wouldn't have understood. Like, they wouldn't have cared. They probably wouldn't have known. But I had to ask myself, well, if I did that, would I be honoring like, the authority that God has put in my life? Would I? And that, you know, it's, there's always the option of like, oh, well, I got this, this four-wheeler for my business. <laughs> so I can drive around my egg farm, which you have six, you have six chickens. You know, and it's like, I was like, we're kind of, we're kind of like, <laughs> like, no, I don't think that's a, a, a working vehicle. Um, and that's where, it, that's where it starts to come out the heart. And you have to ask yourself, okay, how do I actually see these authorities over me? Are they the ministers of God for my good? Or are they just someone to avoid, someone to, to escape the punishment? And then, then, then Paul takes it one step further. It's not just about taxes. Verse 7. Pay to all what is owed to them. Taxes to whom taxes are owed. Revenue to whom revenue is owed. Respect to whom respect is owed. Honor to whom honor is owed. And this is where God doesn't just ask for obedience. He doesn't just ask for doing the right things. He asks that your, your heart will be one of honor and respect towards authorities. Not because they're perfect, but because God has given them that authority that this is a representative of God himself. All right, I think probably most of you are not blatantly uh, abusing the legal system. Um, I'm hoping most of you pay your taxes. Uh, honoring and respecting authorities. All right, that's, that's where we need to grow. That we think about, okay, what is our attitude towards politicians, towards presidents, and that's, that's Obama and, and Trump. You know, you have to respect both of them and honor both of them, not just the ones you like. What is your heart towards your bosses? Do you obey to escape punishment or do you obey with, with joy and a willingness? All right, parents. Parents. Um, you need to be looking for more than just obedience from your kids that you're looking to, to shape their hearts towards submission, that you're shaping them and asking them to, to find joy in obedience, joy in submission. And so it doesn't count that they took out the trash and were like super sassy about it <laughs> and did it like three days later. You know, like that's, no, that's not the same thing. And my challenge to, to parents is, uh, how do they see you respect authority? How do they see your, your heart towards your, your bosses, your heart towards leadership, your heart towards the government? It's going to shape how they view it and how they receive those people. All right. Uh, practically, practically. What is it going to take to, to grow in this area? Um, 
it takes time to, to work this out in your heart. And to see an authority, not as an authority themselves, but as a representative of God. And you'd remind yourself that, that the authority that has been given them is for your good, God-ordained, exactly the authority that you need for your life. And are you willing to, to humble yourself and say, okay, these decisions that they're making, I wouldn't make. And sometimes I feel like I'm wiser than this person, but I'm not an authority. They are. And so I'm going to trust that God has given them that authority for a reason. And am I willing to step back and say, okay, you're, you're in control. You're the authority. I'm not. And my job is not to criticize. My job is not to, to make my own solution. My job is not to, when you're paying your taxes, say, well, uh, I, don't, I don't really use that many road systems. I don't have any kids in school, so I should probably not have to pay as much. Like, no, you, you receive the authority that they have. That you look for, okay, what could God be doing here that I don't see? All right. Now, our, our moniker is nothing but Jesus. Is nothing but Jesus. So what does this have to do with Jesus Christ? What does this have to do with Jesus? We have a Savior who is submissive to authorities. He submitted to the authorities. That he submitted to the Sanhedrin, who created this, this total scandal of a trial to incriminate him. And this is the Jesus who, who stood with Pontius Pilate and was silent before all of these accusations who let a known zealot and murderer go free so that he could appease the people. And we have a savior who submitted to the, the soldiers beating him and mocking him and nailing him to a cross. Now, did Jesus submit to those authorities because they were smarter than he was? Or because they were perfect? No, he was perfect, he was more powerful, he was wiser, he was more knowledgeable. He submitted to them as the authorities that they were because he was ultimately submitting to his father. Because he had learned to say, not my will, but your will be done. And so he submitted to his father and he submitted to the authorities under them. Did they do justice to him? Did they lead him to a good place? No, he got nothing but injustice. But because behind it was the Father's will, this unjust cross became the salvation of the world. That he died for our sins, he died to give us new life, and he rose up victorious over Satan and sin and evil and every injustice. We have an authority above us who who is more than just just. That when God, our, our true leader and our true father, when he was in total control, he died to give us new life. He gave us grace and mercy and more than justice. And so my challenge to us is, if Jesus submitting to the cross found victory over the world, 
then we can submit to the authorities in our lives. That we can trust God to do good. That we can trust ourselves even to unjust rulers because we trust God to have a bigger plan. Let's pray. Father, this is a, a difficult word for uh, Americans and independent people and, and most of all for sinners. Because, Father, we do not like submitting. We like being in control. And so, Father, we ask that you would give us first and foremost a desire to be submissive to you. To put our will under your will because we know that you are gracious and you are merciful and you are good to us in Jesus Christ. Holy Spirit, I ask that you would empower us to do these things. Would you give us eyes to see rulers not as terrors to our good, but as ministers who are working out your sovereign plan. And Father, would you help us to trust that that your rule is better than our rule that we don't need to take things into our own hands, but we can trust you. And Father, we entrust you with our souls in Christ. We entrust you with our lives. We give our lives at the cross and receive your resurrection life. Father, would you give us great joy in submitting to the things you have for us? We pray this in Christ's name.